comes about entitled living and leading like Jesus living and leading like Jesus and here's the thing that some of us would think but I'm not a leader no you're mistaken all of us lead somebody even if it's ourselves but the principles that we're going to learn through this series of live, uh, on living and leading like Jesus they're applicable to those of you that lead a family to those that are in a position at your workplace where you are a leader but also, we're going to learn how to live like Jesus. I, I shared in Cutler that I finished a book not too long ago uh, uh, regarding the principles of Jesus. And it, it's written by a pastor, uh, Joseph Matera from uh, New York, who is doing a great and phenomenal job out there. And his book really challenged me. And I said, you know, I told my wife after reading it, i got to do a series entitled Living and Leading Like Jesus. And we're going to delve into the life of Jesus, and we're going to learn through Him how we can live and lead like Him. Now, let me just say to you, if you are a disciple of Jesus, what do you mean by that, Pastor? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to live and lead like Him. In fact, we're going to look at a couple scriptures out of 1 John. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. In the New King James, 1 John 2, 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The Bible is saying if you say that you are connected to Jesus, that you have a relationship with him, then you ought to walk like he walked. The word walk in the New Testament, it has to do with our manner of living. So another way to say it is, that the person that says that they're connected or in a relationship with Jesus, they ought to live like he lived. This same John, later on in this letter that he wrote, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, he penned these words. In 1 John 4, 17, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like who? Like Jesus here in this world. So John establishes the fact that you and I who claim to be connected to Jesus, have a living relationship with him, that we ought to live and walk like he walked. And we ought to be repping Jesus wherever we go in this world. So that's what the scripture reveals. Now, before we proceed to look at a scripture, uh, a scripture passage from the New Testament that will serve as the foundation for this message, I want you to look with me at an Old Testament scripture that to some of you it's going to be familiar, but to others of you it could be the first time you see or hear about it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. Samuel, the prophet of God, had been assigned the responsibility to go and anoint a son of Jesse who would become the next king after Saul over Israel. And so Jesse got his sons and lined them up, 1 through 7. And here is Samuel getting ready to anoint the next king and as he's looking at a couple of them he's thinking these guys got to be the one But then after he goes to the whole group He discovers there, there's 
they're neither one of neither of these seven is the next king. And then he asked Jesse, do you have another son? Oh yeah, I got a boy. He's out there in the field taking care of a, some sheep that will call him in. But see, during that time, Samuel was looking on the outside. And so God gave him this word. He spoke to him this word. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What's the scripture telling us? God does not see you as the world does. Because God does not need a diamond already polished. God sees diamonds in the rough. God sees diamonds in the rough. What's important is not how we see ourselves or how others see us, but rather how God sees us. So now as we move to look at the main passage of Scripture that will serve as a foundation for today's message, let me remind you that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. John 1.1 tells us in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John 1.14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who was the Word? It was Jesus. And what does the Word say about the Word? That He was God. And then it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, who is God, the Word, was manifested in the flesh. So Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. With that understanding, let's go to the main passage. John 1, 40-42. It says in John 1, 40-42, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, say Simon. That's not Simon. Okay, let me just say that. Back in the day, there were some guys that, Oh, there's Simon, orale. No, 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 that's Simon. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus, what? Looked at him. He did what? Said, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now, according to the Liberty Annotated Study Bible, Simon means hot-tempered, volatile, violent. Don't nudge your neighbor and say, you should have been called Simon. No, 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 don't do that. This is, let's stick with here, okay? Cephas is from the Aramaic language, which means stable as a rock. Peter is from the Greek word Petros, which means rock. Now, there's two things that I want to draw from the John 1, 40-42 passage. First of all, Jesus sees beyond the superficial and takes note of the potential. Jesus sees beyond the superficial and takes note of the potential. What do you mean, Pastor? The scripture says when Jesus looked at him. Looked at who? Looked at Peter. When Jesus looked at Peter. 
When Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, Jesus looked at Peter. The word that is used for look here in the original language, the Greek language, it's emblepo, emblepo. And it describes a concentrated gaze. The gaze which does not see only the superficial things that lie on the surface, but which reads a man's heart. When Jesus looked at Peter, he was looking beyond the exterior into the interior. When Jesus looked at Peter, he was looking beyond the outward into the inward. This is important. In my library, in my study library, I have a Bible that's called the Life Application Study Bible. And it gives this footnote regarding this passage. It says, Jesus saw not only who Peter was, but who he could become. Peter is not presented as rock solid throughout the Gospels, but he became a solid rock in the days of the early church as recorded in the book of Acts. The footnote continues, by giving Peter a new name, Jesus introduced a change in character. CWC Life, CB Family, here and online. I want you to be aware of the fact what the Gospels reveal about Simon Peter. In the Gospels, we see Peter sinking. That's in Matthew 14. Yeah, he walked on water, but then when he got his eyes off of Jesus and he saw the wind and the wave, the Bible says he began to sink. We see him sinking in the gospel. Then we see him sleeping. When Jesus told him to watch and pray in Matthew 26, we find him sleeping. And in that same chapter, we find him swinging and slicing. Oh, you remember, he got the sword and he swung it and he sliced off a Roman soldier's ear. So we see Peter. He, when you look in the Gospels, here's a guy who is sinking, a guy who is slipping, a guy who is swinging and slicing. And then we find him slipping when he denies the Lord three times. So here's a guy who doesn't have a very consistent, good track record. Oh, but when you get to the book of Acts, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and after Jesus being raised from the dead, he blew unto his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. What do you see Peter doing now? In Acts 1, we see Peter, the one who was found sinking, the one who was found sleeping and swinging and slicing and slipping. Now, we don't find him doing those things in Acts. In Acts 1, it tells us in verse 15 that now he's standing. Ah, you see, that's what God can do when you open your life to him. He can take you from being a person who is sinking, who is slipping, who is sleeping. A person who finds himself messing up, he can turn your life around and make you stand solid as a rock. Woo, the Bible tells us there in Acts 1.15, and in those days Peter stood up. Woo, he took a stand. Uh, 
I like that. He stood up. He stood up. In this word, stood up. Oh, I'm going to behave. I'm going to be. I know. I know. No, I'm not. I'm going to be. I told you I'm like a lion, and the cage door's open, so I might as well just. Ah. Now. This word for stood up, it means to be raised up. It means to be raised up like raised from the dead. It means to be raised up from lying down. Here's someone that before was lying down and the devil was counting him out. But here's the thing, when the devil counts you out, Jesus still counts you in. You could say that Peter, who had failed on occasion, had rose to the occasion. Peter, who had failed on occasion, now we see him rising to the occasion. That's what the Lord can do. And so when Jesus looks at him, Jesus saw beyond Peter's problems unto his potential. Jesus saw beyond Peter's less than admirable proclivities unto his possibilities. That's what Jesus saw. When Jesus looked at Simon, he didn't see what he was. An unstable, unreliable man. Instead, Jesus saw what he intended to make him. A man who had the courage to defy religious leaders and Roman authorities. A man who testified of Christ even at the risk of his own life. He saw not just Simon, but Simon Peter the rock and the application is this Jesus does not see us only as we are he sees us as we can be and what we will be because he is committed to changing us changing us to be like himself changing our character to be like his I'm telling you take a good look at me now because you come back in three months and six months I'm not going to be the same angel I'm going to be transformed from glory to glory and be more like Jesus three six months a year from the road than I am now because Jesus not only sees it in me he's committed to see it brought out of me Woo! progressively throughout our lives and then completely and finally when he returns he's committed he wants us Listen to me. He wants you to see yourself in the same way. Not just as you are now in yourself. Not just what you have been. But what you can be. What you will be. What you are becoming in Him. To live and lead like Jesus means to see like Jesus see beyond the superficial unto the potential second thing the passage the passage reveals there in John 1 40 to 42 is this Jesus speaks potential promise Jesus speaks potential promise the scripture states that after Jesus looked at Peter he said you are Simon, the son of Jonah, 
you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. We noted earlier that the Liberty Annotated Study Bible points out that Simon means hot-tempered, volatile, and violent. Cephas, Aramaic, means stable as a rock, whereas Petros, the Greek word for Peter, means rock. Now, I told you as well that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. And here's what the Bible says of God the Father in Romans 4.17. Romans 4.17, it says this of God the Father, that He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Now, notice this verse does not say God calls things that are as they do not exist. It doesn't say God calls things that are as though they do not exist. Rather, that God calls those things which do not exist as though they do exist. What are you saying, Pastor? Faith does not deny the problem at hand. It simply declares that the promise is greater than the problem because of God's hand. Mm. Did you hear that? Faith does not deny the circumstance that's real before me. But faith declares there's a greater reality. Authentic faith, real faith, genuine faith does not deny the obstacle at hand. But it does declare that God is greater than the obstacle. I don't deny. I'm telling you. Everybody do the hop, hop. No, no, let's see. I'm going to start something here. I'm telling you, that rabbit's working now. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I feel like R2D2. All this stuff going. You see, faith does not deny that there's sickness. But in the midst of my sickness, it declares the greater reality. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement for my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Huh? And in case you're wondering, yes, it's Spider-Man. I love Spidey. Faith does not deny. I'm hurting. I'm hurting for money. It doesn't deny. Oh, but it declares. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
away. You're taking away from my preaching time. Don't get so clappy happy that you cut me short. Uh, I'm feeling this thing. You see, I want you to understand. Oh, I want you to get this in your spirit. I don't deny that I am battling with weakness. But the Bible says, declare the greater reality. Let the weak say, I am strong. How can that be? How can you be strong and weak? Because Angel Manjaka is weak, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the greater reality. Woo! You see, the reason Jesus spoke to Peter's potential was because Jesus knew that Peter's weakness was no match for God's greatness. Ooh, faith knows that my problem is no match for God's power. Faith knows that my mess is no match for God's mercy. Faith knows that my difficulty is no match for God's ability. Faith knows that my sickness can match up to God's strength. Faith knows that my panic can match up to God's peace. Woo! To live and lead like Jesus means to speak like Jesus. We need in the church to understand that we carry, if we're followers of Jesus, we carry a prophetic mantle on our lives. We carry a prophetic anointing on our lives. A prophet was simply a mouthpiece for God. We carry, church, a prophetic anointing by which we are to speak for God. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. But if all what? Prophesy. And an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in. He is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus, watch this. The secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. When the church is prophetic, we operate under the anointing of God that gives us the ability to call out the secret things that are in the hearts of people. But where we've missed it is because, see, I used to be afraid when there would be tongues and interpretation in the church, when somebody would move in the prophetic, because what I equated with the prophetic is, your sin is going to be called out. And I knew I had sin in my life. Nobody needed to tell me. But the problem was I was afraid that when sister so-and-so would... And she'd start moving. I mean, she would move around and all of a sudden, and, and, and sometimes she would go and grab somebody and then bring out their laundry list. So that's what I equated with a prophetic. So when the people would start and the spirit would move, I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. I'd be repenting at my chair. Lord, Jesus, I promise I, I won't do this next week. I promise. Oh, Jesus, if you don't let her call me out, if you won't expose me, Lord, I pray. I declare, I, Lord, I, I, I have mercy. Please, please, please. But here's what I've learned. The prophetic 
calls out the secret desires, dreams, longings. And I've seen it operate this way in my life. Where the Lord will reveal through the word of knowledge something that's been in somebody's heart that they don't want to share because they are afraid if I share it, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to think, no way, not you. That can't happen through you. God will give me a word. and I'll speak it and I've seen people break. And I've had words given to me in that manner where secret things in my heart have been brought out, brought to light through the prophetic. And it's broken me in his presence. But when I get up, I get up convinced. God is real. God is faithful. He's going to do what he said he was. <sighs> Why do you say that? Because of what the Bible says the prophetic is for. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, the, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. To live and lead like Jesus means speak like Jesus. To speak God's promise over the problem. To speak strength, encouragement, and comfort into someone. Amen. By what I'm going to say next, some of you may start tuning out. But I want to make this statement because you need to know that CWC Life CV is a church committed to live within the tension of grace and truth. We're committed to live in that tension of grace and truth. We're not going to be all grace without truth, and we're not going to be all truth without grace. It's a tension to live there. But what do we know? Note John 1.14, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Having said that, I want you to see on the screen what I'm going to say next. Jesus is committed to speak about the potential in us. He is also willing to speak straight concerning the problem with us. The same Jesus who said, you're Simon, but you shall be Cephas, Peter. After that encounter and after Peter began to follow him, Jesus, throughout their journey, was willing to confront him and speak straight to him. When Peter wavered off course. Peter got the revelation when the question was posed by Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responded and said, oh, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And then he said, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then after that, Jesus went on to tell his disciples that he was going to suffer. And then he, ultimately he would die. It was then when Peter opened his mouth when he should have kept it shut. Because Peter had that tendency too. He would get his foot stuck in his mouth. 
by saying stuff that he shouldn't even have opened his mouth to say. When Jesus told him, I'm going to end up dying, Peter said, no, 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 far be it. No, 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 we, that, that can't happen. No, 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 no. Like Peter was saying, okay, now I have the authority. You said you're giving me the key, so I'm, I'm going to use my key right now of authority. He said, no, 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 you can't go that route. Imagine telling Jesus what he can't do. So this is how Jesus responded to that. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me who? Satan. You are an offense, a stumbling block to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, what would happen if I or one of the leaders of the church in a discussion with you after you said something that they and I or they or I found that was contrary to God's word and we said, hey, wait a minute, Satan. You'd be like, what? What you say? You'd be like my friend, Pastor Mario. We're going to get it on right now. That's you talk to me like that. Don't you talk to me like that. Imagine how Peter must have felt. Jesus turns around. Get behind me, Satan. Here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus loved Peter just as he was, but too much to leave him. Leave him where he was. So he was willing to confront in order to correct. He said, the way you're thinking is off base right now. In fact, you're thinking the way the devil thinks. You're trying to get me to take a shortcut in fulfilling the will of God. And the will, and the will of God is not fulfilled through shortcuts. The will of God is fulfilled through being willing to take the road less traveled. Called obedience no matter the cost. And then there's that time where we read in Matthew 26, 33 to 34, Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter was just hearing Jesus say, When I'm taken, all of you are going to disperse. You're going to forsake me. Peter had said, No, 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 Lord. They, can all, they, they may all leave you, but not me. In fact, I'll be willing to go all the way to cross for you. And the Lord had to tell him straight up. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Listen. Correction is essential for elevation. In the kingdom of God, correction is essential for elevation. If I love you, you love me then we're going to be willing to speak the truth to one another in love. That's not hate speech. Not if it's in line with the Word of God. It's good speech, healthy speech, that will lead to the health of my life, taking me from brokenness to wholeness. What are you saying, Pastor? Peter became rock. Because he did not become offended by a strong rebuke. Peter did not let a failure ruin him. Peter failed. 
But he didn't let the failure ruin him. He came back. Peter did not quit because of disappointment. Peter thought that Jesus would become a great earthly king, one that overthrew the Roman Empire. He was disappointed, but he did not quit. And I'm saying to you today, in your life and journey with Jesus, child of God, there's going to be disappointment to have to deal with. There's going to be a correction that you're going to have to be willing to accept. There's going to be moments in your life journey with Jesus when not everything that you were hoping for is going to materialize the way you want it to. But if you stick with Jesus, you will grow from brokenness to wholeness. If you stick with Jesus, your potential will become actual. Now, I wrap this message up. I want you to do a little experiment with me. I want you to think about the quality in you. The quality in you that you are least proud of. I'll list a few possibilities just to prime the pump. Laziness. Dishonesty. Cowardice. Impurity. Anger. Lack of self-control. You know your heart. You know your history. With that understanding, I want to ask you again. What is it about yourself that you are least proud of? But don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to write it down or share it with your neighbor. You're like, where are we going with this, Pastor? No, no, I'm not, I'm not, going, to, I'm not going to ask you to write it down or share it with your neighbor. Now, what is the positive opposite? Of that characteristic. Think of a word. For example, the opposite of lazy would be hard working or steadfast. The opposite of dishonest would be, of course, honest. For cowardice, it would be courage. And so on. I want you to think about the that characteristic which is the one that you're least proud of. Once you got that, I want you to think of what's the, op- the positive opposite of this characteristic. Got it? And I want you to look down at your hand. And I want you to imagine that positive characteristic tattooed on your hand. Okay? For instance, if I was to say, I'll use me as, if I was to say in my mind, you know what? The thing I'm so least proud of is I can become cowardly in the face of a challenge. And then I would see the opposite would be courage. Courage tattooed on my hand. Or if I would think, oh, man, I, I, I can be, I, I'm, I'm, I'm apathetic. I would see zealous or passionate tattooed on my Think of that. What is, what is that positive opposite? And visualize it on your hand, okay? Got it? Remember that name. 
Say, Pastor, why do you want me to remember that? Because that's who God sees you to be. Everybody around Peter knew, yeah, Jesus, that's Simon, all right. That's hot-tempered. That's volatile. That's violent. We've seen him in the fishing boat. Oh, he gets ticked off if we don't catch fish. Oh, he lets us know he's not happy about it. Yeah, you're right, Jesus. That is Simon. Jesus didn't finish with Simon. He said, but you shall be called Simon. You're going to be solid like a rock. God sees you not as you are, but as you can become. And like Jesus, He's committed to see you become it. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so maybe today, your name is anxiety or fear. Anxiety can come from places and circumstances. But in the end, we have to acknowledge that God doesn't want us to be characterized by or controlled by anxiety. One of the best antidotes for anxiety is to trust in God. When you learn to trust in God and walk by faith, then God gives you a new name. God changes your name from anxiety to peace, courage. It could be that somebody here or online, your name would be addicted. Addicted. Addicted to all kinds of things from drugs to alcohol, illegal, prescription, over-the-counter. Or you could be addicted to pornography or unhealthy relationships or to food, or purchasing. These addictions spring from us trying to fill our lives and our longings because we're seeking well-being in order to escape our unhappiness or pain. But these addictions make us ending up as slaves. God wants to change your name if your name is addicted to freed and whole. Maybe today your name is rejected, not just because you've been rejected from your workplace, but you've also been rejected by your family. In fact, you heard the words uttered, I wish you were never born. You've been nothing but a headache in my life. But I want you to understand if your name is rejected, God wants to change your name to beloved. He wants to change your name to accepted. Because He says, if you come to Me, I will in no wise cast you out. Or maybe today your name is bitter. You've been bitterly disappointed by life. People have let you down. Circumstances have been like one negative after another. But let me say to you, if your name is bitter, God wants to change your name to healed, to released. Somebody, your name could be guilty because of what you did. You're so ashamed. You're so disappointed with yourself and guilt 
It's tattooed on, the, on your mind. Shameful is tattooed in your mind, but God wants to give you the name forgiven or cleansed. Now, Peter would have never known that he could change except not only Jesus but also except for his brother Andrew hear what I'm going to tell you there's some people in your life whether they're friends or family members and I know it I've been there you see the potential in their lives and There's moments where you've seen the glimpse of that potential come to the forefront, but then go back and be swallowed up by the dark side that has kept that person from reaching their potential. Oh, but I want to challenge you like I challenge myself. Would you be an Andrew in their life? Would you bring them to Jesus? But you you would tell me, but pastor, you don't know. I've tried to bring them to church. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about bringing them to church. And I'm, I'm grateful that you would want to bring them. But listen, if they don't come to church right now, don't, don't, don't trip about it. You can still bring them to Jesus. What do you mean? Child of God, you and I are a royal priesthood. We are priests unto God. We can bring them to Jesus through intercession. That's what a priest does. He stands before God on behalf of another. And what I want you to know, I've learned in my life that if I keep bringing them to Jesus, the light of Jesus will shine on them. And eventually the light will pierce through the darkness. And what was potential will become actual. But is there an Andrew in the house that will say, I may not have the power to change them, I've grown frustrated in trying, but I realize I am a priest unto a God who says to me, you've got access 24-7-365, and if you'll show up, I'll show up in their lives. Man, I'm feeling this thing today. See, because I'm seeing God do what only He can do. And I've seen him doing me what only he could do. Because there's been people in my journey like Andrew that kept bringing me to Jesus. And I know I disappointed some people. I know I disappointed some loved ones. But my disappointment didn't stop them from bringing me to Jesus. Father, There's so much potential in this house right now. Seated on every seat that is occupied in this building right now, Lord. Watching online in those homes, God. There's so much potential. Ah. There are people gifted, talented, valued. And you see who they can become. Who they will become. If they'll simply give you their yes. 
They'll simply say, I'll let you be the shot caller in my life. I'll let you be the Lord, the leader in my life. I'll surrender to you, Lord. I'm tired of wishful living. I want it to become actual, and I realize it's only through your power that my willpower is not enough. I've tried, and I keep slipping. I keep blowing it. I need help. And you're saying to them, I am the helper. I am a very present help in trouble. Oh God. I also pray for us, your church. I pray for my brothers and sisters that compose this CWC Life CV family. Oh God, I'm praying now. Would you, would you please, by your spirit, Would you please give us a longing, a yearning to be faithful intercessors, be faithful priests unto you, knowing that like Andrew, we can bring our loved one to you through our role as a priest unto you. And you said, they who sow in tears shall reap with joy. We sing it here because it's true. You are. You are the miracle-working God. I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. Boy, was I a mess. Boy, was I broken. But somebody kept bringing me to you. And now I'm free. I'm a miracle. I'm so grateful. Now help me to keep bringing my family to you, to keep bringing my friends to you that don't know you. And I pray for us, Lord, not just those that are official leaders in this church, but all of us that are Christ followers in this church. I pray that you would help us to see people like Jesus sees them. Not as they are, but as they can be and as they will be through your grace. And help us to speak like Jesus. Help us to speak, Lord, potential promise. Help us to speak words of life over them, Lord. For our PW crew sings, I want to ask you this. What would happen if we here at CWC Live CV, if we would see each other like Jesus sees? What would happen if we would speak like Jesus spoke to Peter's potential over one another? What would happen? What kind of atmosphere? What kind of environment would this place be? What kind of family? would we become that's what I want because that's what my father wants that's his heart oh God let it be I pray like Elijah Elijah prayed for his servant open his eyes that he may see I pray open our eyes that we may see that we may see that we may see like you see.